Welcome to the Healthcare IT Today interview series. We feel lucky to be able to talk to so many smart, passionate, and knowledgeable people in healthcare. Now, we're taking our favorite interviews and sharing them with you. So sit back, relax, and enjoy perspectives on the world of health IT. Hey everyone, I'm John Lynn, the founder and chief editor at Healthcare IT Today. We're excited to bring you a really interesting look into the challenges of COVID and the financial implications for healthcare. And it's going to be a great discussion. And my special guest is Brett Schiller. He's head of healthcare for corporate client banking and specialized industries at JP Morgan Commercial Banking. Welcome, Brett. Yeah, thank you, John. Uh, appreciate uh, carving up the time and, and uh, you know, nice to, uh, nice to be here with you and your listeners. Yeah, definitely. So for those that aren't familiar uh, with you or, or your organization, tell us a little bit about yourself and JP Morgan's work in healthcare. Yeah. So, um, you know, as you said, uh, the division that I run is, is called J- it's corporate client banking. Um, that division sits in between the commercial bank and the investment bank. And so, the bankers on my team, you know, deliver both sets of products uh, to mid and large cap companies across the healthcare continuum. Gotcha. So, you know, it's interesting because everyone knows JP Morgan, right? Yeah. But I don't think they know it's familiar with the healthcare side. So it's going to be fun to hear some perspectives, but yep. how are you seeing healthcare organizations finances really thanks to COVID? I mean, what a big financial impact it seems. Yep. Yeah. I mean, COVID has been like COVID has been interesting all the way around. Um, sure. You know, healthcare, I think, as you well know, um, from a financing perspective, a performance perspective has been relatively insulated from COVID, right? There have been pockets where um, services have been lighter. There have been pockets where um, companies have done quite well because of COVID. Um, you know, as far as financing, um, you know, there was a patch let's call it the March through May timeframe, where the only financing sources open to healthcare companies were really the banks. The capital markets were shut. Um, companies could not raise equity or debt. Um, and so the banks were, were it. Um, and so we saw a flurry of activity, you know, not only in healthcare, but across all of, all of the different industries within the, the bank. Um, Healthcare was relatively insulated though. There were, you know, as I said, there were some pockets of, of weakness, but, um, as far as access to capital, you know, the clients that we had that sought capital, you know, most of the healthcare companies across the spectrum had access to it. Um, and so, you know, you hate to talk about a bright spot, you know, in during a pandemic, um, you know, healthcare was, you know, one of the brighter areas to be in compared to other industries. Sure. It seems like that was maybe the biggest challenge was there was a three to four month question of how much revenue they need and do we have the cash we need? Is, is that kind of what you saw as well? Did, um, particularly on the provider side, you know, where, you know, they were either statutory closures of, of closures of hospitals, but the uh, ability to do elective surgeries where that was sort of curtailed. Um, so anybody who touched, you know, that type of, of procedure, whether that's the surgeon, you know, he or herself, the medical device company, the hospital, you know, and it wasn't like, and it still isn't, that demand went away. It was just warehoused. And so, you know, for the three or four month period, all of those things got pushed back. We're seeing that, you could call it de-warehousing, I guess, if that's a word, um, you know, normalizing. And so... Right those were really the weakest spots and those, those are normalizing. 
So do you think there was a bit of a have and a have nots, you know, as far as the damage that was caused by COVID uh, or, you know, it sounds like most of healthcare was somewhat pretty insulated from it or, or do you see kind of this have, have nots kind of playing out in the financial side of things as well? Yeah. Um, it's, it's hard to, um, it's hard to trumpet sort of, you know, people who just knocked it out of the park, right. With, um, you know, during a pandemic. Um, but, um, there were definitely companies that did better companies that were, um, you know, involved in PPE, either manufacturing or distribution, um, you know, insurance performed well last year. So different pockets, you know, performed, um, potentially better than expected. Um, and then, like I said, the weakness was seen somewhat on the provider side, although that's, that's right sizing. So we haven't had any, um, you know, as opposed to other industries, um, and I think we know what those are, we haven't had anything where it's going to be a permanent disruption of demand for, you know, for a service or, you know, or a product, which, which is great. And healthcare, again, has, has been a bright spot. Yeah. It's interesting how you comment. You, we almost don't want to like proclaim success. You know, obviously, we do a lot of IT stuff at Healthcare IT Today. And so, you know, telehealth, obviously, <laughs> has just blown it out of the park. Uh, yep. although, interestingly, you know, is that going to come back to bite them because they had to scale up to 90% and then they got to scale down to 40? You know, <laughs> so yeah. be interesting as well. <laughs> it, it will, you know, as you talk about, you know, winners, losers, that, you know, the pull forward of that technology, um, not just, you know, the millennial category has always been um, more comfortable with technologies, you know, like telehealth and, and televisits and, you know, but now <laughs> since we've all been sitting in our houses for nine months, 10 months, um, you know, pe- the comfort level stretches to elderly populations, people who, you know, really uh, had no interest necessarily in, in connecting through Zoom or telehealth or you know, that is a, that is going to be a permanent option um, that I think was pulled forward by years um, and really stretching different generations. And do you think that that shift to telehealth and, you know, really still shifting payment models around telehealth, is that going to impact healthcare organizations and their financials? I think it will. Um, you know, that's another sort of pull forward where, people on the provider side, health systems, people who were um, putting off some capital expenditures, you know, people who were putting off spending on IT, getting systems interoperability together, um, you know, that has been pulled forward as well from a lot of different clients that we have, different people we've spoken with. Um, it, it was a sense of, okay, you know, enough, like we, we need to be better connected. And so whether that's on the payment side, whether that's just on, you know, practice management, um, we need to go ahead and spend the money. Um, you know, this is showing us that any sort of hiccup in the technology, we just can't, we can't have now. So that's again, another pull forward. And what are you seeing on the, that payment side of the house? You know, what are some strategies healthcare organizations are doing? Seems like that's become really important where cash is king, you know, yeah, as, they, sure. as they recover from, you know, some of the damages of last year. Granted, sure. they got some CARES Act money to help as well. But, uh, you know, what, what are you seeing them do to kind of improve the payment side of the house? No, I think that's, I think that's exactly right. There are, 
they are spending that money that was, and I hate to use the warehouse again, but they are spending the money on that technology to get their house in order. Um, you know, any, any sort of, you know, plans where that was going to be postponed, um, you know, we are seeing this put in action. Yeah. Have you uh, done any work with uh, healthcare price transparency? Do you think organizations should be worried about, you know, this move to more transparency? And what would be your advice to organizations dealing with that? Yeah, um, you know, as as you well know too, price transparency has been been talked about. Um, you know, whether that is surprise billing or things that we've seen with PBMs, um, things that we've seen with insurance companies and health systems. Um, you know, sometimes it depends on different administrations. We saw the Trump administration, uh, particularly in the later years, yeah. um, you know, calling for, asking for more transparency, definitely on the PBM side, on the hospital side. Um, it will be, it, it remains to be seen what the Biden administration will do on those counts. I, I think um, no one who works in those businesses should is shocked or, you know, they know that at some level, someone will start to go down that path again, I'm sure. I know that they've all got contingency plans. I know they've run, you know, alternative models, things around balance billing. Um, I, I think, you know, sorry, and it's a, it's a convoluted answer. I, I think that um, it remains to be seen. Just with the Obama, with the uh, Biden administration, just just how how much they want to pursue that. I think that they are um, they're going to be pursuing access more than transparency for the time being. Yeah, I think that's a great insight because there's few things in healthcare that are bipartisan. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but interestingly, transparency, interoperability, really were two of those bedrocks and use of technology, I guess, if you want to throw in a third one. Yep. Uh, but I think your point's right, that the discussion is going to be about access you yeah. know, for the Biden administration. So I, I think that's a, that's a really great insight uh, versus some of these other things, which interestingly are, are bipartisan. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, yeah. You know, it'll be interesting. Will CMS and ONC continue to push it forward, even though the administration may not be? <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Yeah, look, I mean, consumerism and healthcare just continues and continues. So uh, transparency and health pricing, um, you know, uh, insurance companies obviously like it because then they get an idea about pricing and things, but ultimately as more of a cost of care is pushed to consumers, then obviously they want transparency as well. So this will continue to come up. Um, just timing. I, I, I couldn't, uh, I couldn't make a guess. Sure. No, I mean, let's not predict politics, right? But yeah. <laughs> yeah. So what's going to be the long-term impact, you know, for, for good and, and even for bad of, of COVID? What are, what are the lessons that, you know, these organizations have learned from the impact of COVID financially? Yeah, I think, um, I think that, uh, you know, tail risk of, of events, you know, that um, they think could never happen, uh, happen actually more frequently than we, uh, than we expect. So as I think, you know, when people are modeling, you know, and I'm talking about the finance side now of different of our clients, um, you know, modeling some of these other scenarios out to make sure that with these, these asymmetric shocks, you know, that the company is resilient through that. Um, the the companies in the JP Morgan portfolio, or at least the ones you know, that are banked uh, with, with my group, uh, were very, very resilient. 
Um, as I said, the, the bank market was always open to them, even when cap markets shut for a little while. Um, so I think it's, it's, um, it's being prepared for some of these events, these unforeseen things that are actually much bigger than anybody would, um, would predict. Um, I think that some of the reliance on, um, you know, outside U.S. suppliers of different um, manufactured goods, I think that there is going to be a push for some of that to be um, not completely, you know, insourced in country, but at least to have more redundancies than we than we saw. That was um, that was something that was exposed through COVID, and I think. Um, you know, I, I think that that's just from a defensive standpoint, that's something that people want to continue to remedy. Um, you know, the telehealth, um, telehealth angle that pulled forward that technology by years, that's something that we learned that's, that's here to stay. Um, so yeah, and I think, I think those would be the major things. And do you think, I mean, it's interesting when I look at it, um, healthcare organizations learned that they needed good IT partners <laughs> to yep. be successful in this changing world, whether they had to scale up telehealth, whether they had to do remote work, all those things. Do you think the same is true on the financial side of things as far as, you know, like, how do you look at your relationship with healthcare organizations? Do you see it as a partnership? What are the things that could be proactively done now to really make sure that healthcare organizations are nimble when whatever might come in the future. Since yeah. We realize yeah, we look, predict it. <laughs> it was, um, you know, when the capital market shut and the only source of funds were the banks, um, you know, of course the clients came to us, a lot of them drew down on the revolving credit facilities out of just an abundance of caution. Um, you know, you have finance staffs that had been through the downturn, you know, 08, 09, and they watched liquidity dry up didn't want that to happen. Um, you know, JP Morgan speaks frequently about its fortress balance sheet and how we can withstand these incredible shocks. And we were able to get, you know, when our clients came to us, we were able to get them money. Um, we saw, you know, some of our competitors um, not be able to do that. And so, you know, when these large shocks came, um, they actually fell away in their ability to, to help fund them. So, so the relationship aspect, you know, with the companies and their banks is, is incredibly important. Um, and whenever we go through one of these crises, that that always comes up. It's, um, you know, who, who can you actually trust to get you the liquidity when they say they're going to back, you know, the credit? Can they actually do that? Um, right. And it, it did lay bare some of those institutions that couldn't do that. Yeah. Well, and cash is king in a crisis, so. <laughs> yes, for sure. Yeah, look, we had... And not just our clients, just just healthcare, all kinds of companies um, drawing down their entire revolvers just to make sure that they've got cash. They didn't need it at the time, but nobody knew how long this is going to last. Nobody knew if we're going to have a vaccine. You know, in some cases where businesses were completely shut down, actually not generating a single dollar of revenue. You know, do they need to have cash in the balance sheet to burn for three years? And so. Um, you know, I will say the interesting thing is so many of the companies that did draw down, we had massive draws in the second quarter. Um, those are now, those revolver draws are generally down around the same levels as, as they were pre-COVID. So sort of spiked up, they held on to it, paid it down. And, and so we're sort of back to pre-COVID levels. 
Wow. Great insight. Well, sure. thanks so much, Brett. I appreciate you sharing uh, this perspective on, uh, you know, kind of how COVID impacted the financial health of, of a lot of healthcare organizations. So thanks so much. We've been here with Brett Schiller from JP Morgan Commercial Banking. If you want to find more great healthcare IT content like this, be sure to check it out at healthcareittoday.com. Thanks, Brett. Perfect. Thank you, John. Thank you, everybody.